With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Joe Ostrowski here with you. And joining us now is Ben Brown with PFF to talk about NFL schedule release day last night. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Ben Brown. All right, Ben, I'll start with uh, a nice generic opening question for you. Who was the biggest winner as far as schedule release day was concerned? Oof, that is that, that is a good question. I do think you know a lot of people like what Jacksonville kind of got from a scheduling perspective. Obviously, they're going to have two games in London. Uh, it does seem like from what I've heard that they do have a pretty decent following in London. So in effect, like I think a lot of people are kind of flipping that game from like an away schedule to a home schedule and obviously gaining a victory or not necessarily a victory, but like an opportunity at more of a home game than an away game than what it would have been. So I like that. I like the fact that they were able to kind of push out their buy so they don't have to have such an early buy as well. So I think Jacksonville makes a lot of sense from like the actual scheduling structure perspective. Um, you know, a few other teams, it doesn't seem like, you know, Baltimore really got, um, you know, all that difficult. I do think they have a difficult overall schedule, but it seems like having like the multiple road games that, you know, the distance to traveling, they are very much centralized. They don't really have a ton of time zone changes and those sorts of things. So I think Baltimore is probably like another pretty clear winner for coming out of last night for sure. When you look at uh, when teams have particular buys or when the buy occurs. Um, the earliest you can have it is week five uh, this season. And those who have a week five buy are the Browns, Chargers, Seahawks, and Bucks. Of those four teams, who should we now fade as far as win total, division chances, all of that stuff to make the playoffs perhaps? Uh, which of those four uh, were most impacted negatively because of this early buy, you think? Yeah, that that is a good question. I do think, and it kind of pains me to say this, but I do think Seattle specifically uh, is hindered a lot more from this schedule than what we initially thought. Obviously, they're going to team going to be a team on the West Coast that travels quite a bit, but they didn't really get a ton of, I would say, benefit in the back half of their schedule, specifically playing, you know, in Seattle against teams that maybe aren't going to have as much from a climate perspective as what Seattle would maybe have an advantage. So uh, I think that, along with the early buy. Uh, they are, you know, in a lot of ways, a young team. So it does seem like maybe theoretically the early buy could help them if they don't get off to the right start. But I also think that it's going to make for a really long season for these first and second year guys that are very much going to play some meaningful, impactful snaps down the stretch. And I think that getting a later buy, you know, obviously would have given their bodies just a little bit more of a rest and also would have allowed them to maybe recent if they do end up hitting kind of a, a mid-season stretch where they're just not playing as well as they should be. So I think, unfortunately, if they do start off out hot, which it seems like they could very much easily do, like going into the bye that early maybe is probably going to be more of a detriment than anything else. So I do think Seattle's probably the, like the, the one biggest loser that I can find from a specific schedule standpoint right now. Well, Ben, let's stick in the NFC West because each of us landed as San Francisco. 
uh, going up against it as far as the schedule goes. You mentioned the mileage, and San Francisco is second, only behind Seattle. But the big one here is for the Niners and Rams. Uh, each of them have four teams coming off a bye. The most anybody else has is two, but the schedule makers stuck the Rams and the Niners uh, facing teams off buys and some pretty, pretty good teams uh, four different times. Now, m- maybe they tried to help those teams out a little bit by giving them three consecutive home games, but uh, I, I don't know that, that quite makes up for that. So, so how do you ha- kind of look at the what they de- is happening? A lot of storylines with the schedule last night and the NFC West. Yeah, very much so. And I do agree with you. I do think, you know, like the one and maybe even like the two-day type rest, like it doesn't really move the needle a ton, I would say, from a betting perspective. But when you get out to these like four-day differentials or even like, you know, the, the six-day differentials that you can very much have, you know, from a, from, a, from a buy perspective for one team, like those are pretty impactful. And you get in a lot of ways, you know, the, the best version of that team that you could possibly going to get. So I do think overall it does knock the NFC West down. I did say Seattle, you know, specifically, I don't think they're dealing with it quite as much from a buy perspective, but the travel considerations, going to the East Coast, playing some of these early games, like all these things, they they are very much stacking up against both of the top teams in the NFC West. Unfortunately, you know, I, I don't think the Rams or the Cardinals can really, I, I would say, put enough together to maybe take advantage at this point in time. But I do think, you know, it, it's going to shape up to be the, the Seahawks, maybe the 49ers. Don't look as appealing heading into the playoffs as a lot of people are probably going to project right now. Uh, but I think that that maybe would just create a buying opportunity for them kind of once they do actually land in the playoffs, I would say. It is interesting when you talk about overall talent with the Rams and the Cardinals. Yes, the Rams, they're the other team that has four opponents uh, coming off of buys for the schedule. But then you look at the Cardinals' win total. It's at four and a half. And yeah, they might get the number one overall pick next season. But four and a half is the lowest win total of any team in the NFL. It wouldn't take a lot to get to five. And they may be facing some stiff competition at just the right time for the Cardinals. So is there an argument to be made for the Cardinals to finish over four and a half or is it still just a situation where they're just so bereft of talent that it's best to take the under yeah I I mean I don't really feel comfortable I would say playing the under at this point so I do think if you do want to sweat you know it is Arizona I do think very winnable game against the Los Angeles Rams at home they could somehow sweep them they're very much going to be set up for success but they kind of I would say you know mid-tier from a strength of schedule perspective but I would say don't really have Uh, You know, a ton of winnable games outside of Atlanta and the Los Angeles Rams at home. Maybe you can make a case for the New York Giants, but if they can't squeeze out three wins at home, uh, I have a really hard time, I would say, seeing them get over that five-game win total. So uh, I do think it's going to come down to Atlanta, uh, and it's going to come down to the Rams, and I think for you know all intents and purposes, it's probably going to come down to the New York Giants game as well. And if you have a strong opinion on any of those three teams right now, maybe you do make a play on the over, but... Uh, I think it's a spot where I'd rather just look for, you know, opportunities in season more so than trying to identify, you know, in the, the long-term approach for how good these card- this Cardinals seems actually going to be. Now, now, we knew the schedules beforehand. It's about specific betting spots, as we now have point spreads on every game. Um, for a lot of us in the betting space, it bothers us when we turn on NFL Network or just some of the mainstream stuff, stuff and they go by strength of schedule based on last year's record. In the league, that is known as the worst to first, first to worst league. So it it means absolutely nothing. How much uh, do you look at strength of schedule? And what are you looking at? How do you look at it differently? 
Yeah, so that is a really good clarifying question. I do just reference strength of schedule, and I think there's like tons of underlying metrics for what's actually used in those strength of schedule. So what we use, what we look at, what we put up on pff.com is um, the, the ELO adjustment for each team that we do kind of regress per season moving forward to the next season. So we have end of season numbers last year for how good those teams actually were at the end of the season. And, and then we do some regression type things, not only based on where they were at in 2022, but some of the turnover type opportunities that they have, whether there's a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, how does the offensive line actually from a continuity perspective actually fit into the equation. So from that, we can kind of, I would say, adjust some of the ELO numbers that we had at the end of last season and get a really good base along with where they're at from a championship perspective to come up with, I would say, a pretty accurate representation for current strength for each individual team. And then from there, you know, we're essentially just taking, um, you know, the, the opponents for all those teams, the ELO, and then kind of coming up with the average over all of their games to get that strength of schedule. So that's how we're arriving at it. I know a lot of people want to make the case for, you know, win totals as well. Um, there are, I would say, some beneficial ways to potentially use win totals, but and saying that, you know, a lot of the win total or all the win total numbers that you're going to see very much have a strength of schedule element already baked into it. So you are kind of, I would say, double counting in a lot of ways if you aren't doing some adjustment factors for that. So that's why I've landed on, you know, ELO. And I do think it is probably the, the, the best approach to kind of dictate just how difficult each schedule is going to be for any specific team. Well, given that approach to adjusting uh, for a more accurate strength of schedule, uh, are there any teams that are on the, the ends of the extremes as far as, okay, well, last year they had this schedule, and so therefore they're going to, to have an easier run or a harder run. Uh, is there one or two teams in particular that you can say, well, actually the strength of schedule is much harder than if you look at 2022 data or much easier than looking at 2022 data? Yeah, so that is a good question. So I actually, ha I haven't done, I would say, the baseline projection for where strength of schedule actually should be at. And from a 2022 perspective, I probably should have done that and compared the difference because I do think that it actually probably is you know, opening myself up to seeing the blind spots that other people are actually looking at. But a, a team that I am, you know, very actively fading based on their schedule coming up here is the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, the, the questions around Tua's health are, are very much apparent and in the forefront. I don't think they're a team that I would say drastically improved from a draft perspective. They did go out and get Jalen Ramsey, but I think at a weak link position like the cornerback, I don't know if he's going to have as great of an impact on their secondary as what everyone's projecting right now. So they do have the second most difficult, you know, schedule according to our ELO rankings as well. Um, so they're a team that I think, you know, I, I'm actively going to fade early on in the season. I do think, you know, with Aaron Rodgers kind of in the fold for the Jets, they are the clear second best team in the AFC East. And I do think that, you know, th th there might be a case to be made for New England also being better than Miami. And if, and if there is sort of any injury concerns at the quarterback position for Tua, uh, they're very much, I would say, going to take a step or two back from where they were at in 2022. A uh, few, few other things, schedule-related stuff that we hear a lot about then. Three straight road games, three straight home games, not as much as the road games. And then traveling across the country. Um, that, there, there's your old school stuff. We don't hear as much about it, I, I don't think, but it is brought up by some. Uh, which of those matter and which don't? Yeah, so the, I, I honestly, for me, I do think they all matter a little bit. The, the, the point that I think is different, different is that 
the betting market also kind of takes into these these things into account or whatever, right? In a certain way. So they're already pricing that into the spread that they're going to give you for that particular opportunity. So if you are kind of using that as the basis to potentially find an edge, like that's where there simply is no edge in that case because the, the market's already kind of adjusted. I do think, you know, one spot that people find more undervalued than what maybe it was previously is some of the some of the East Coast teams traveling west for a primetime spot game, kind of like the reverse of the the West Coast team going east for that, you know, one o'clock Eastern time frame thing. And, and I think there might be some stickiness to that, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, more than, a, you know, one or two play opportunity in any given game. And I don't think the edge is, you know, anywhere close to even the, you know, where it should be at based on how much we're actually discussing some of these things, I would say. He's Ben Brown of PFF here on BetQL Daily. I want to talk about the Jaguars' London trip. I know you alluded to it earlier, but the first meeting that they have in London against the Falcons, they're four-and-a-half-point favorites. But then the following week, they're three-and-a-half-point dogs against the Bills. This is a tad unprecedented to have a team play in London for two consecutive weeks. I know jet lag gets talked about a great deal, even though the team gets to London several days in advance. But is there something that we can glean from the idea of traveling and being in a place for an extended period of time where maybe these numbers aren't as sharp as perhaps they could be? Yeah, I, I honestly think there is. Obviously, this is an unprecedented case. We don't really have the historical data to really, I, I would say, derive any sort of expectation for it. So in a lot of ways, you are just kind of handicapping based on feel. And I think that the, the things that you touched on do make a ton of sense intuitively, right? Like having an extra week when the Buffalo Bills are traveling over series season, still kind of having that body clock adjustment, like that's already taken place for you and you've already played a game and and then maybe you're off Monday and Tuesday and that's a travel day for Buffalo and you're kind of being able to, I would say, you know, build up some stamina and everything else to the point where you are actually ready to play again on that Sunday. So I think it works really well for um, Jacksonville specifically. I do think if they have a pretty decent following, which very much seems to be the case, like those, that's in effect, you know, a home game for them. And that's, you know, a pretty big shift from playing in Buffalo to having, I would say, the majority of the crowd kind of behind you in London and having all of the rest advantages and travel advantages that are going to come along with that. So I think, you know, there's a spot where maybe you definitely make a case for Jacksonville right now. Maybe that gets baked in too much into the market and, you know, come close to click kickoff. The bills are probably the side, but I think if you're, you know, evaluating these spreads right now and you do want to play some bets, uh, I do think the Jacksonville edge is very much probably not fully understood or baked into that particular number right now. We talk about the big markets here on BetQL Daily. So we go from Jacksonville and I want to talk about the NFC South. Because I, I think the win totals are interesting. No matter how you, you shape it, um, they all have the easiest schedule because it's a terrible division. And then they get a, a, the softer division over on the AFC side. And then you have the Saints, a team that does have three straight home games as well. Uh, their win total is 9.5 after the addition of Carr. 9.5, Atlanta's 8.5, Carolina's 7.5. Uh, what I don't know. What's going to happen in this division? Well, do, you, do you have an opinion on any win total? Anything? Is it Bucks last place? What do you think? I think it's Bucks last place. I do think it's kind of the Saints or busts in the NFC South this year. I mean, they, they, they're very much going to have the offense in place. Derek Carr, if he gets close to that 2021 form with the Raiders, like they're going to be they're going to be a difficult out. And I do think that you know you're, you're going through their 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 schedule 
Like they have the easiest kind of strength of schedule from our metric that we just talked about previously by a, a pretty decent margin at this point. A lot of it is the division, but somebody has to win those games, right? So I do think that they even go, you know, four and two in division, uh, you know, they're set up really well, I would say, to go over that nine and a half game win total. I do like them probably a little bit more, um, you know, in, in to win the NFC South, especially if you're getting just a slight plus price, which is where it was at a couple of days ago, at like plus 110 or something. Very much missed the best of the number, but uh, this is kind of a veteran laden team that does seem like they need to put it together. And it, in such a weak division, uh, I, I think they're probably the only opportunity I would say to bet right now. They do seem to be the only team in the NFC South that's not in quote-unquote <laughs> rebuilding mode, even if they should be. And that also right. matters in the grand scheme of things. And so, who dat, who dat. Ben Brown with PFF, thank you so much for your time. We mm-hmm. greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go over tonight's MLB card right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.